Hey ladies, welcome to the Looking Above podcast. It's easy to get bogged down in details of everyday life. If we aren't intentional, our eyes can easily be pulled away from the Lord and we can set our gaze on things of earth. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My name is Karen Boffman and I'm the women's pastor at New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. I believe that our perspective changes everything. So together, we'll be looking above. Hey there, welcome back to Looking Above. My name is Karen. I'm here again with my friend, Brooklyn. Hi. Hey, Brooklyn. And today we are starting into Ephesians chapter two. We're going to be looking at the first 10 verses here and just kind of talking about this section that's called Made Alive with Christ. And I love that title. That's such a exciting and hope-filled and... It's encouraging. Yes, encouraging title. And this passage is a very encouraging passage. We're going to talk about this and then... And of course, we're talking about spiritual disciplines this semester as well. And so our spiritual discipline for today is going to be worship. And hopefully by the time we have chatted about this uh, passage a little bit here, you like us will just feel like our only response could be worship. Yeah. You should have seen me when I was studying this passage. (laughs) I was just blown away. and, And I was, yeah. Moved to worship. Yeah. 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 So we'll get we'll get to the worship part here in a few minutes. But I think we're going to kind of just tiptoe through this, take our time a little bit and um, work our way through these verses. But I will just give a quick overview, at least the way that I see this passage is we've got the first three verses here, which really talk about um, our life before Christ and how all of us are living as dead men. And we'll talk about this more in just a second. And But then uh, from verses four and five talk is kind of our transition. And that talks about what God has done for us that takes us from that dead man walking way of living yeah. and takes us into actual life. And then verses six through the end really talk about that life and all of these blessings that we have. So it's just, it's a neat progression here with the verses four and five, just kind of being our center, center point. So we're going to work our way to that. But these first three verses talk, like I said, about us being dead. And this kind of dead is not like, um, the kind of dead that we talk about when we talk about like eternal life, Like it's not dead, like as in if you don't believe in Jesus, you will die an eternal death and be dead forever. It's talking about the kind of death that we live with, (laughs) so um, which is more maybe a metaphorical death, I guess. Um, But it's it's really being devoid of spiritual life. So it's it's how we live before we know Christ is that we walk around in this state of um, like the, the notes I wrote down to myself are like a walking zombie. <laughs> a, a corpse. The walking dead. The walking the show, dead, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, a corpse or uh, walking around comatose is what I wrote yeah. down. So spiritually unaware, spiritually mm-hmm. dead, spiritually um, just comatose and not really um, engaging with the world 
in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Um, so it it's kind of this just in consciousness, unconsciousness to spiritual things. It's this unawareness of spiritual things, and it's an inactivity spiritually. So we don't have that spiritual life and vitality. Yeah. We're dead, and so we're not living, doing spiritual things. There's just death within us. It's yeah. a weird <laughs> it's, it's strange. It's a weird word picture mm-hmm. to use and yet when you're on the other side of it and you can look back. That's what you, I was thinking. You if get you've it. been at any point in your life mm-hmm. not a believer mm-hmm. and then became a believer and really leaned into that, I'm sure that you know what we're talking about. Right. Um, and yet if we would talk about this with someone who doesn't know Christ, they would probably argue with us right now. Yeah, 100%. I'm not dead. What are you talking about? I'm not walking around yes. dead. <laughs> I know? have family like right. that. So right. Yeah, they do. Right. They cannot see it until you, you, until you don't eyes. know until you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, you know. So, um, so yeah, so it's. We were all, it says, once you, and I will clarify here when he's talking about you, and then he talks about us in this passage, the you is are the Gentiles. These are the Ephesians he's talking to. When he's talking about us, he's talking about the Jews. Mm-hmm. So there is that difference, differentiation. But he's saying when you, Gentiles, which would be all of us, were dead because of your, dis- once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And um, I just made Brooklyn listen to a very long rant on... <laughs> here a minute ago, but um, these two words here, disobedience and sins, to me, this was kind of my aha moment in studying this passage. I've read it so many times, and I think oftentimes when we read things in English, we just don't get the full value of what's being said. Um, So because of your disobedience and your many sins, so the Greek word translated as disobedience here is kind of, it it would mean like a falling away or like a false step or a lapse. So it's kind of like, I know the path I should be on. I know what I should do, but I just stepped off the path. Right. Like I know, I know the right moral thing to do, but I didn't. So some versions call it a trespass. Um, like many of us would think of it as a sin, right? right? Yeah. But it's it's disobedience is how this is um, translated here. It's this falling away. It's not doing what you're supposed to do. But then the, the sins is the word that I want to talk about for a few minutes, and then then we'll move on. It's not a rant. It is really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you should share it. <laughs> um, so it, because it talks here about this, and I'm just going to point out the places that we use this word, and then I'll describe it. But it says that um, we were dead because of our many sins at the end of verse 1. In verse 2, it says you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. And then at the uh, about the middle of verse 3, it talks then also about our sinful nature. So you maybe have heard a pastor talk before about this word sin, and they'll talk about the fact that this is an archery term. It's actually the word sin is used in archery even today is what I understand. I'm not an archer, but um, the bullseye would be like the center of the target, and that's where you're aiming for. So you want to hit that. That's being perfect in archery. But when you hit outside of that bullseye, what your what the aim is, what is perfect, when you hit outside of that, it's called a sin. And of course, the further you get from the bullseye, then the more sin, I guess, you have committed. <laughs> um, so we'll hear pastors talk about this in this whole idea of sin as missing God's mark. 
right? We're not, we're not hitting the mark. We're not living a perfectly holy life. It's anything outside of, um, God's moral perfection. And so often I think when we hear about sin, we're thinking only in morality terms, right? Right, right, wrong, good, bad, like God's the judge. And as I was studying this term, I actually talked about the fact that this term did not start as a religious term. This was just, this word sin was just an actual understanding of missing the mark. And it applies to all of our lives, not just those things which we would consider moral rights and wrongs. So often, if I would sin against you, it would be like, um, we would say like, oh, Karen was gossiping about Brooklyn, right. like she sinned against her. Mm-hmm. Or we we think of those things that we biblically. The, yes, obvious, <gasps> yeah, sins within right. the church. Breaking the Ten Commandments. Yeah, right. murdering me. You can't, right, yeah. murdering you, yes. <laughs> Karen murdered Brooklyn. That is a sin. <laughs> that is a sin. Um, <laughs> so those are the things that we often think about, but the term is so much broader and it really encompasses, and this is where I think we um, – we just need to understand there's a broader view of sin, which is any time that we're missing the mark of who we were created to be, of living our best lives, of living the most like Jesus. Right. So let's just apply this because I would say, you know, oh, I didn't slander my husband. I didn't sin against him. But was I the best wife I could have been? Did I show him the attention that I should have showed him? Did I love him in the way that I should have loved him? Did I, you know, do all of those things? If I was not being the best wife I could be, then we would say I sinned. So maybe as an employee, you get tired at the end of the day and you leave 10 minutes early, like, ugh, I'm just tired. I'm just going to go home, right? Did you put in your best work effort that day? Yeah. Well, no. Well, then you've sinned. Like, yeah. (laughs) So it, and then there's some of us, right? Those of us who get very um, picky and want to understand morality. That's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving her the hairy eyeball. Um, <laughs> there, we really want to know what's right and wrong. And then we're like, oh, no, like I'm just walking around sinning all the time. That is what I felt when you told me. I was like, How am I ever going to do this? Right. Um, and that's kind of the point of this passage. Right. Is that we're all sinning all the time. That that is our sinful nature. That. It says you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Um, It talks about verse three, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. That was that is what we do naturally. Right. We sin naturally. We naturally don't do our best. We naturally are lazy. We naturally are selfish. We Mm -hmm. naturally choose to do what feels good to me over what is better for someone else. As a parent, we sin against our kids all the time because we choose our comfort over their comfort. We choose our, you know, we choose what works for me and my timeline over the fact that they're just a little slower and I need to be patient with that. And we chalk it up to, no, I'm being a good parent and I'm training them. And But if we look at this, like, am I doing what Jesus wants me to do? Am I loving them the way Jesus would want me to love? If that's like our ultimate bullseye. Yeah, we would be falling short all, all day. <laughs> I'm falling short all day. <laughs> I, I could just see, I could just see Brooklyn like her spirit is being uh, crushed right now. <laughs> but luckily, it goes on. Luckily, so. it goes on. Yeah. Um, 
And that's what it says. Like we we used to live this way, right? And I know that we're saying, but don't I still? But the difference is we were dead to it before we knew Jesus. We were dead to it. We didn't realize that there was a better way. And then Jesus comes in and now we're alive. And we realize there is a better way. And by God's grace, we do a little better every day. And I feel like <laughs> the closer that I get, the more intimate relationship I get with God, the more, yeah, the more convicted I feel about more things. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. I'm being shown more and more, the mm-hmm. deeper our relationship yeah. gets. Yeah. Jackie Hill Perry just posted on I Instagram. Did you see that? I was, I laughed. It was, yeah, yeah. this morning. Um, she, what it, it was, you can paraphrase it. What did oh, she say? I don't Something know. like the closer, it was basically yeah, what I just the said. Of it. The closer you get to yeah, God, the, the more worse. I do wrong. Yeah. The more you either do wrong. he's getting yes. more stricter, I'm getting worse, but right. obviously he's not changing. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just that the closer you get to him, the higher standard you have because you want to be right. like Jesus. And right. the more in tune you get with the Holy Spirit, the more you can hear convictions about right, things right. like oh, I was really selfish to my husband yeah. today. Yeah, I totally put my own needs above his. Yeah, um, yeah, which you wouldn't have before. Oh, right, right, and just but to be able to view that to understand that this is all encompassed within sin. It's just mm-hmm. it's our sin nature, our inclination, and um, you and I have talked a little bit about the fact that that plays out differently for different people. Right. We all have different temptations. Our sin nature is different for each of us. So some people, it's like a physical, like a bodily sin nature, right? So there are people who are prone to sloth or laziness. Like Mm -hmm. that's their sin nature playing out is just like, I'm just not going to do anything. There's other people who it plays out in the opposite, right? And they beat their bodies into submission and they eat crazy diets and they... Um, make their body their God. And um, so it plays out the opposite. I think um, overeating or lust and sex can be a way that that um, sin nature plays out for some people. There's spiritual things. Some people it's pride or perfectionism or both of us Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, idolatry that for some people it's more like earthly things where our sin nature plays out in our ambitions and we constantly have to achieve and do the next thing and or in our possessions and we have to get the next best thing or have all of these things and that's where that sin nature plays out and some people it's more in like our temper or temperament and it plays out in anger and hatred and envy and fighting and all of these things. It, so it looks different. Our sin nature looks different. But verse three says that we all used to live that way, following those cravings for the forbidden things and following our natural inclination. Um, verse two talks about obeying the devil. Like when we get right down to it, that's what that is, is though that there's that spiritual battle going on. And so he's telling us, these things are better. Right. These things are better. And we're believing it. And so we're living in that sinfulness. Um, it's it's a hard start in this passage. It's a, it's a hard yeah. It's a hard start when we when we look at all of that. But then we get to this middle point where it says, But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though 
we were dead because of our many sins. So we've got to now like just look at this verse four as this turning point. So even though I am someone who sins so much, who falls short, who misses that mark and does the wrong thing more often than I do the godly yeah, You have thing. to feel the weight of that yes. to realize the weight that he's lifting. Right, right. I, I really think it is important that we sit in yeah. that and just recognize, like, could I be a better wife? Yes, I could. Could I be a better mom? Yes, I could. <laughs> could I be a better worker? Yes, I could. Like, there are so many things, and, and we don't want to do it to get down on ourselves right. or to um, – I know shame is a big, like, struggle in your yeah. life, right? So right. we don't do this to um, to end up in a place of shame or um, condemnation or guilt. That's not the it's point. It's just to realize and acknowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we don't want, yeah, shame, like mm-hmm. Karen said, but just to acknowledge that that is the truth, mm-hmm. that we do, mm-hmm. we do fall short. And I think we... We sometimes take advantage of the grace because we don't recognize our sinfulness. We don't recognize our brokenness. We don't recognize how often we're missing the mark because we think, I'm a good person. Well, and you look at (laughs) – it's so easy to be like, oh, well, they're missing the mark. Right. They're falling short, but I don't do that, so I'm okay. I'm so much better than they are. Like, it – absolutely. Yeah. Or you think, you know, like, I was raised in a Christian home, like – have you seen the home that they were raised in? Like the stuff that goes on there, like that is some crazy crap, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, you're always comparing. So you're better. Yes. Yes. So we always feel better. But when we look at this idea of sin as just missing the mark in life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and, and then we, then we can really recognize like Adam and Eve had a glimpse Right. They walked with God in the garden for that little bit of time Mm -hmm. where there wasn't sin. But everybody else, for all of us, our whole lives have been entrenched in sin. And many of us just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. And just acknowledging. And therefore, I think the the next piece isn't as big to us. And I think that's probably often where I've fallen in my life. I think I'm a pretty good person person like my dad was a pastor I'm a fairly moral person yeah. like if we look at it from morals like I don't do a lot of these big sins that the church calls sins moral mm-hmm. failures but if we look at it as how often though do I not choose the best thing what God would have for me what how God would have me to love someone else we're all equal in that yeah I think we all fall short yeah yeah, absolutely. So that's why this is so huge. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. So he had compassion for us when we were in that sin state. Before right. we cleaned up our acts, before we came to him, before we fell at his feet and we're like, please, please forgive me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, before that, before that, when we were just walking around as dead people, as these zombie corpse comatose people, he saw us in that. And he's like, oh, you poor little soul. <laughs> I can't comprehend that. I try. Someone cuts me off in traffic and I'm like angry for five minutes. 
so I cannot comprehend how he could come to us. Be like, oh, you poor little soul. Yeah. Like, oh, I just feel so bad for you. And I just love you so much. And guess what I'm going to do? Makes me so grateful. I'm going to send my son (laughs) and I'm going to let him endure this terrible, terrible death. And then I'm going to raise him back to life. And that power is then going to transfer to you. Yeah. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) I really do. I read it so many times this morning because once you know the weight of your sin, then you know the weight of that he lifted, like I Mm -hmm. said earlier. And it's Mm -hmm. just, I don't know. It blows my mind. Yeah. Just going to keep saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And so – Jesus being raised to life, Jesus's life, that is what the remedy for our deadness, that's right. the remedy to our re- deadness, is that Jesus is alive. Mm-hmm. That's the remedy. That's the pill that we have to swallow to get rid of this deadness. To be alive, yes. Yes, is, is his life. Um, and it's because of God's compassion. It's because of his love. And that... Um, word for love there actually has to do with like divine preference huh that's interesting yeah i like that divine preference like we think about god like he preferred us like he you know it just it goes back to like that choice and intentionality and all of that that god um he loved us so much and he had this compassion for us and then verse six i won't um stick here for too long. Um, It talks about he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because um, we are united with Christ. So in verse six, um, it's kind of talking about this promise of what is to come. So like clearly you and I are sitting right here in the recording room in New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. We're not seated in the heavenly realms. Right. But it's basically saying this is a promise of what is to come. And it's like we have the rights to that now. Well, and what (laughs) blew my mind is he didn't just say, like, "Um, I'm going to save you so that you aren't in hell for all eternity. Mm. He was like, I'm I'm you're going to be seated by me. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be seated at my table. Mm -hmm. So it's like he takes it a step further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not just like pluck you out of, but it's like putting you into. Yeah. Yeah. And really, like when we talk about this, right, this life, it says he gave us life when he raised us with Christ. So that life is like right now. We always talk about, oh, eternal life, like Mm -hmm. Jesus saved us for eternal life. No, he saved us to live so that we could be alive right now, so that we're not walking around like those zombie, dead corpse, whatever, comatose (laughs) people. Like we're not walking around like that. The life starts now. But then verse six is like, but this is the promise of what is to come. You have the right to heaven now, but you'll take possession of it in due time. Like you'll get there eventually. And so I was trying to think like, how do we like grasp that? And I'm thinking, okay, so if, um, if in my will, I willed all of my belongings to my children, but there was this provision in my will that said that if I die before they're 18, they have to wait until they're 18 to actually take possession of it. It would be something like that, right? So if I die, my children, well, I've only got one under the age of 18, two under the age of 18 now, but so it would kind of be like, they have the rights, like what's mine is theirs, but they can't have it. But they yet. don't access it yet. And so it's the same thing. Like we have the rights to heaven now, but we're not going to access it until we die and actually get there. So it's just, it's this knowledge. That's what that verse six is, is this knowledge of that being seated with him in the heavenly realms. 
we're we're gonna get there. It's ours for the taking. It's already ours. Right. Yeah. It's already promised to us. That's what's happening there. And then verse eight and nine and ten. I know you want to talk about yeah, those this are a my lot. favorite. This is your, <laughs> this is uh, this is where. Um, oops, excuse me. I I really. Um, I like what what you want to say here is kind of taking this and making it personal. Verse 8 says that God saved you by his grace when you believed, when you had faith. And you can't take credit from this. It's a gift from God. It's not a reward for the good things that we've done. So we can't boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned um, for us long ago. So talk just a little bit, Brooklyn, about what do these verses, like, how does that impact you? Right. Um, So I told Karen earlier, I was like, these comfort me so much because Mm -hmm. like she said, my face during the beginning verses one through three, mm-hmm. it it probably looked like terror because <laughs> I don't like doing wrong. And so mm-hmm. as you've gotten to know me over three episodes, we've said it a few <laughs> times, um, I can lean towards perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably my my sin mm-hmm. that I missed the mark on a lot. But um, so in these verses, like she just said, I accidentally, I usually do NLT, but I did mm-hmm. NIV. So mm-hmm. there might be a few words um, right. that are a little bit different. Yeah. But so um, as a, what I was going to say was that these, my perfectionism can bleed into my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I can make it into a checklist. Like, did I pray this way today? Did I read my Bible? Mm -hmm. Did I make sure to serve? Did I give 10%? And, you know, the list can go on and Mm -hmm. on. And they're not bad things in Mm -hmm. and of themselves. They're Mm -hmm. good. But um, when I make a checklist, I'm basically relying on my own strength to do those things. Mm -hmm. And as we've said, like, we are not (laughs) able Mm -hmm. to do that because naturally we're dead. Right. Right. Um, So... (laughs) These verses says, for it is by your grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, mm-hmm. not by works so mm-hmm. that no one can boast. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, like, it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. It's up to me. Right. Um, and that is very comforting yeah. to me. You cannot be good enough, Brooklyn. Yeah. You can do all the right things, and it's not changing this gift. Yeah. You've got the gift. And that's freeing for me mm-hmm. because if – I'm knowing that nothing I do can make it any better Mm -hmm. or any worse because Mm -hmm. as long as I, yeah, he already did it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did tell Karen this earlier. I was like, it's a tricky spot because sometimes we can, like you said, take advantage of that Mm -hmm. and be like, well, God already did it. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was trying to explain it to Karen earlier, but living into the fact that he already did that. Um, it, it's freeing to be able to do those things to get to know him better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to know him and be seated with him someday. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. just freedom in that. I don't know if that made so, sense. But. So instead of doing the good things, trying to earn earn, it. earn yes. the salvation, it's doing the good things because you have the salvation. Because I can, yeah. And because you can, yeah. because you've been freed from the need to do it. 
now you get to do it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's such freedom in that. And so that's why I love those verses, especially if Mm -hmm. you're listening and you feel like you are success-based or perfectionist, those verses, I'm probably going to put them somewhere. I can read them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In verse nine, it talks about that it's not a reward for the good things we have done. Then verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. And that is... Um, a juxtaposition. I think that's very intentional. He's saying it's not the good things you have done, but guess what? You are the good thing he has done. Yeah. <laughs> Which if you just say meditate on that, it's like, wow, what? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like God did the good work. He, you are the good work. Yeah. He did that work in you. You are his masterpiece. He made you holy. He created you. It says, so you can do the good things. Like that's kind of where you're talking about. Yeah. Then I have the freedom to do the good things. That he planned for us long right. ago. Yes. Because he made you, he created you. He He's the artist. Mm-hmm. You are the masterpiece. He created you to do these good things, not, um, not do them so that you can be so that, rewarded, yeah. right? It's just, it's such a flip of, I think, what we're trained in our society to do, right? Mm-hmm. We're trained to be good. We're trained to achieve. Like, you just look in a school and which kids are getting praised. It's the kids that are achieving and it's the kids that are behaving. Right. And uh, this verse is saying, guess what? You, naughty little kid that isn't achieving, you're God's masterpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he created you to do good works. Like he's already taken care of um, you're not achieving and your naughtiness and whatever. He's already taken care of that. You're a masterpiece. Go do the good things he's set for you to do. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to get there. Um, it's totally his grace. And I just love that. You know, this verse talks about his mercy, his love, and his grace. He's so good to us and we just don't deserve it. And that's why we worship. Yes. So that's what we, um, like Karen said, are going to talk about worship because this passage or these verses, they moved us Mm. both to worship Mm -hmm. him this Mm -hmm. morning. Or I don't, I did this morning. I don't know when you did yours, but yes. Um, so first I wanted to ask you, Mm -hmm. um, what, what is worship? Tell me what worship is, Karen. <laughs> so um, it is a big question. Of course, we don't have time to get into yeah. all the very basic theology behind it. But when we look at that word worship, we're really talking about worth and um, imbuing God or recognizing his worth, his worthiness. Um, so it's it's just recognizing that he is worthy of our praise and then it's acting out of that. So uh, oftentimes we think worship is coming into church and singing and that can be an act of worship, but worship really has to do with our attitude of our heart and recognizing who God is and what he's done. Um. And just acknowledging that. So I could silently sit here and worship. I don't have to open my mouth. I don't have to sing. I don't have to raise my hands. I could just sit here and in my heart worship God and just recognize in my heart, like, you are so awesome. And I do not deserve to not be a dead person walking. I don't deserve that at all. And yet you did that for me. God, you are so good. And I can just sit here and think that. And in that moment, I'm worshiping. 
Right. It's being in awe yeah. of him. Yeah. Yeah. And just and proclaiming his worth. And mm-hmm. so often we do it out loud. Often we will say those words or we will sing those words or we will express it in some way. Some people dance or whatever, you know, like we just have to get it out of us. Like he's so, so good. And I need somebody to know. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about the. OK, so. I think people come into worship and they're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. I know that when (laughs) I didn't grow up in the church and I knew when I first came to church, I was like, why are people's hands in the air? What are they doing? Like their hands are up, their eyes are closed and whatever. That girl's jumping around the stage. Sorry, Samara. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, like there's all of these things that we seem really so weird. But let me tell you what's weird to me. What's weird to me is to go to a football game and people screaming their heads off for a dude running with a football and getting into a rectangular box painted on the ground. That is weird to me. It's weird to me too. I don't But guess what it. they're do- doing? They, they they're cheer. worshiping. Yeah. They're worshiping mm-hmm. that that guy that ran that football weird little ball mm-hmm. down into that rectangular shaped box. They are worshiping him. That's because they can't contain it into right. their body. They're they saying, right. They're saying you are worthy of our praise. And so we are going to scream and cheer and jump and clap and do the wave and all of these things. That's worship. Right. Doesn't make sense to me either because I think that they have misguided. They have put their their point of worship, their um, their person that they are worshiping. To me, that's misguided. Yeah, yeah. Like um, worship, like genuine worship. And we will all worship something. Mm-hmm. That is the everyone worships something. For some of us, it's ourself. For some of us, it's a job. For some of us, it's an athlete, whatever. Hopefully it's God. We will all worship something. We were created to worship. So it's going to be something. something. Sometimes it's misguided, I think. And is that saying that we can't celebrate (laughs) a touchdown? I'm not saying we can't celebrate a touchdown, but so often it turns into worship. Worship, yeah. Into worship. So when we worship, God is the object of our worship. So he's the one that we are worshiping, right? We're talking about, singing about, praising. He's the object um, or the subject. He's the subject and the object. So he's the one that we are talking about, the subject, but he's also the object or the audience. So he's also the one receiving it. And I think that that's where um, some people get hung up. Yeah. Because you're like, well, I'm saying saying this about him, but right. to him. Yeah. Right. right. And so uh, some people come into church, a church service and there's people singing on the stage and we think that we're the audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I've never thought about And it then like that. they hear us applaud and they think, oh, you're clapping for those great singing people on the stage. No, this is not a concert. Yeah. They're not singing to us. They They're are leading us. They're leading us yeah. to sing our praises to the Father. And so when we're clapping, we're not clapping for them. Hopefully we're clapping because we recognize the weight of what we just sang. Yeah, and we're like, oh my word, God, you are so awesome. And we're like, yeah. 
like touchdown you right yeah, so right. <laughs> that's where we're at is is we're just so overcome and I don't know if you ever hear every now and again Pastor Mike or Paul or I like we'll be in the middle of a song and one of us will just start cheering and it's because we're just so overcome by what we are singing that it's like you just have to like yell right there in the middle of the song or clap your hands and people are probably like what Easter services are always my favorite because they like whenever the song is like and he's back to life people like cheer and I'm like yeah yeah that's what worship is and so worship um Worship just comes out of our hearts of recognizing who God is and what he's done and wanting to cheer for him. Yeah. That's that's what we're doing. We're wanting to say, you are so awesome and I need to tell you. And we do that for our kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We're like, oh, good job. Like you would say to Quinn, like, good job, Quinn. You picked up your shoes and you put them where they're supposed to go and I didn't have to ask you. Good job. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, right? Mm-hmm. Like we do that for our children. We do that for sports figures. We do this regularly where we recognize the good thing being done and we cheer for it. That's what we do when we're worshiping. So corporate worship, this... Uh, spiritual discipline that we're talking about and we talk about spiritual disciplines because it takes discipline right yeah it takes practice intention you have to try yeah but when we do that we are disciplining ourselves to corporately to together proclaim god's worth yes yeah what Um, sorry no go ahead i was gonna ask you a question what do you ask me yeah what um what do you think that can look like? So it can look like we have had life groups, like mm-hmm. you said, that have sang together. Mm-hmm. Um, Does that mean they're worshiping? Yeah. No. So that's what Karen <laughs> and I were kind of discussing earlier is you can sit through an entire worship service or an entire song with your life group and you can be present, but that doesn't mean you're worshiping. Or even participating. Or participating. <laughs> But you could even worshiping. be participating and not right, worshiping. Right, right, I think it's a heart posture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 it, and like you said, it takes discipline and intention. Mm-hmm. So there's been a morning or more than one that I've come into church in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to worship right now because mm-hmm. I'm a human. And mm-hmm. um, But I start singing and I will intentionally make myself listen to the words. And by the end of the first song, I'm, I'm so excited and thankful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um so the discipline and intention leads into changing that heart posture. But mm-hmm. anyways, you asked me, <laughs> yeah. what other ways could it look like? Like you said, um, you could sit in silence and just meditate mm-hmm. on his goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is talking it out. And like, yeah. I felt like we were worshiping earlier when yeah. we were saying how awesome he is. Yeah. Um, those are three ways. What's, right, do you have any right. other ideas? Right. And I mean, a couple podcasts ago, right? We talked about celebration, right? And so for us, I think we were talking about how celebration can lead into worship, right? So when we are recognizing and celebrating what God does, that just leads us to want to then praise him and worship him. Um, It can look like so many different things. A lot of times people, I would say, are involved in the arts when they're worshiping. Mm -hmm. So it might be singing, it might be dancing, it might be creating something and just recognizing like God 
God gave me this gift or God gave me this talent. And so I want to give it back to him. Yeah. I'm and so that paints. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to like, as I sit here, I'm just going to think about God's goodness and praise him as I express it through my art. I think that's a way a lot of people do it. Um, corporately, again, a lot of times in the church, yes, do we sing? Absolutely. And I think we take our cue from what we've read about heaven. So whenever we see these glimpses of heaven in the Bible, people are singing, like they're just singing, holy, holy, holy. And I think maybe the reason that we struggle with worship or we don't do it as naturally is because um, we walk through, like we go back to the beginning of this passage, we walk through life comatose. Mm -hmm. We walk through life unaware of God's presence and his glory all around us. And the more that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and open our hearts and take off of that veil, take off that veil and give us that life that is promised to us already, the more that we can put to death the sinful nature and let him live in us, the more that we will see God at work and the more that we are driven to worship. And that's what we see in heaven is when you see God, like when you are in mm-hmm. his presence, I don't think you have any choice. Yeah. It's like being at a football game and I don't even care about football. <laughs> and what do I do when everyone else is cheering? I cheer. I'm like, yeah, good job. Like it's this, sorry, it's the dumbest game I've ever seen. I just don't understand why people run into each other and knock them onto the ground. I think it's Your dumb. Your husband would be so happy I know, to hear you say that. I know, I know, I <laughs> know. We can argue that all day long, but I, I just don't understand why we applaud people hitting each other with their bodies and knocking them onto the ground. But what do I do when I go to a football game other than watch the people? I cheer. I just do because I'm so overwhelmed. And I think that's what happens when when we will get to heaven, when we are face to face with God and his glory and his goodness and his love. Like, I think it will be tangible. His love will be tangible. Like we will be in his presence and just feel it. And we will just start singing with those angels like glory, glory, hallelujah, holy, holy, holy. Like we will have no choice. And so for us, it's just living into this life. It's recognizing that we have been walking around dead, asking God, give me this life. Help me help me to become aware to the life that I have so that I can see you, so I can see you at work around me. And then it's just praising him. So, you know, in our groups, I know sometimes that's just really awkward. But you know why that is? It's because we focus on ourselves and not on yeah. God. You're so within yourself. And that's what I was going to say really quick is yeah. being in awe is yeah. being outside of yourself. Like when you're in front mm-hmm. of the Grand Canyon, you just cannot comprehend how mm-hmm. vast and big mm-hmm. it is. And it's because and you you get outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. So do that with God. Be in awe of God. Get outside of yourself. Yeah. I mean, when people go to football games, they take off their shirts and they paint their bodies blue. Yeah, like they do ridiculous things. But then we come <laughs> we come into church and we're like, oh man, what if the person next to me hears me sing? Yeah. And so so when I'm encouraging you as you talk in your groups about worship, just, just think about some of these things that hold you back. And then think about really, I'm going to say like how silly it is, how we can do, we can worship a football team. Or Taylor Swift. Or Taylor Swift, yes. Or we can go to a concert and (laughs) scream and all of these things. And then we come to church and we're so embarrassed to just praise God. And I know there have been times where I am in worship and I will say, like, I am fully guilty of this, where I am just like, I should be on my face right now. Like, I don't deserve to be here. And I should just 
be on my hands and knees. And I've done it on occasion. I should probably just do it more. But when I don't, it's because I focus on me. And I think, what are people going to think if I kneel down on the floor right now? You're so right. I have <laughs> thought I thought that last Sunday. I was like, yeah. I just want to be on my knees. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. And I kind of let the thought go. But it's because I didn't want yeah. You don't want to judge me, right? Just so silly. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have kept you a little long, but as you can tell, we got a little excited about this topic. We will um, let you go. This whole topic is is exactly what this podcast is about. It's about looking above. We need to look above ourselves. We need to look outside of this world and look at who God is and recognize all that he's done for us, our own sinfulness, how undeserving we are, how we can't earn this, and yet... He's just shown us this tremendous mercy and love, given us life. So go figure out some way to worship together and just spend spend some time with your group this week. Spend some time looking above. Yes, <laughs> looking above. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for being with us today. Bye.